A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Transformative Experts. Welcome, actually, to our our, our new season. We're starting up again after uh, having a little bit of time off, and I can't think of a better way to start than with the guest we have today. I have joining us today, Meg Nocero. Meg is a uh, Meg, God, Meg's a lot of things. Meg's is a coach, a motivational speaker. She's also written three pretty incredible books, and um, throughout her lifetime, she has figured out how to find maybe what we'd call the ultimate happiness or a word that she uses is bliss. And so I think this is going to be very, very exciting because um, it's a chance for all of us to maybe learn, especially in these times that we have today, how to find better happiness. But like most of our experts, this didn't just come easy and naturally. There, there's a hard journey that, that led to this point. And so Meg, welcome uh, and thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you so much, Chris. It's such a pleasure to be here today. Yeah. And so, you know, your journey, I, I don't want to give anything away to the audience, but your journey is really, um, it's incredible. It's hard. It, it was a hard journey. Um, it's very heartfelt. And, I, I, you know, I wonder if you could just walk us down that journey just a little bit. So walking you down the journey, that's amazing because a lot of my book is about the El Camino of life, right? The walk of life. So the journey began for me. I come from a very wonderful Italian-American family. That is probably where I want to start because that's where I'm most proud to know where I came from because, you know, they say on the shoulders of giants, you see further. I definitely grew up in a family of giants for sure. Um, My parents were amazing or are amazing people. My mother was, she passed away in um, April of 2011. But bottom line, they took a risk, left New York, came to Florida and Orlando. My father started a cardiology practice there. And basically that's where my two sisters and I were educated and grew up. And then the sky was the limit. My parents were always, you know, encouraging us to figure out what our passions were. So um, I got my Boston College undergraduate degree. And then I came back to Orlando and moved to Miami and got my graduate degree in international studies. And then I went and got my law degree. So where I am today has a lot to do with the education that I was able to attain and build confidence upon. And then obviously, you know, the whole writing process now is just playing with words. I speak four languages. So I was always like, I have to break barriers to have those conversations because I like to talk a lot. So, you know, with you, I'm going to have no problem talking because you're so delightful already. I, I know it. But the bottom line is that I didn't want anybody to tell me I couldn't do something. And certainly if I got a grasp on a certain language, that would open doors for me. So that was what I did in undergrad. I was a romance language major and it's helped me in Miami. I, you know, everyone speaks Spanish here. So certainly that's been a plus. Okay, so four languages, English, obviously. So Spanish, you just <laughs> said Italian. I'm going to guess because of the family. What's the fourth? So I speak French. I speak French. And, you know, it's funny because I don't speak it well, but I speak it so I won't get lost in the world. And when I practice it enough, like I've always been told that when you try and people appreciate that. So I will do my best to get the grammar right, but I will definitely reach out in the native tongue. And when people make fun of me, I'm just like, "Eh, at least you can understand me. So, you know, bottom line, I, I mean, I will not embarrass myself on this show today by badgering the French language, but I do have a proficiency in it. 
Well, it's it, that's probably good because my 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 um my grasp of the French language would be badgering it as well, unfortunately. Uh. Uh, though I took a number of years of it in school myself. Um, anyway, you know, so so you graduated from school. You follow this path. You, you actually you became a lawyer. Is that correct? Right, right, right. I became a lawyer. You know, it's an interesting story. Um, I graduated from my graduate program and I was looking to go into the foreign service. And my understanding, I had a dog at the time and his name was Alfredo Luigi. Okay, a good Italian name, right? And they were um, telling me that most likely you would not be able to bring your animals with you. So then I decided to go to law school. (laughs) So there you go. The path to law. I was like, well, what am I going to do now? Right? I was, it was a point in time where, you know, I was, I was trying to get the quote unquote, do the right thing and get the right education to open the right doors. And at that point in time, I wasn't a real outside the box kind of thinker. So I was like, doctor, lawyer, Indian chief. So I was like, okay, law is. So I, I decided to go to law school. And, um, and, and that path though, took you into, um, it, it took you into kind of working, was it with the federal government? Right. Yeah. So, so after I graduated from, um, well, actually during law school, I got an internship with immigration and naturalization service. And, you know, it's really interesting. I, and as you probably are as well, I'm a big networker of people. I love to connect. I'd love to have those conversations. So I basically told whoever I could get my hand on, like what kind of interests I had in the world, you know, as far as jobs and locate. So someone found a flyer that said they were looking for interns for the immigration and naturalization service. They're like, this is perfect for you. Apply. I applied. I got the internship. After law school, I actually waited a year because I wanted to go into, um, international relations to see whether or not that was a fit. It's all contractual. So I was like, ah, it's going to kill me. I'm not talking to people all day. I'm like stuck in my office all the time. And I was like, forget it. Um, so then I applied back again to INS. And I, I started working there and I worked there for nearly 20 years after, after graduating from, from law school. So, you know, that is, a. I mean, certainly for questioning and having those conversations. And, you know, I was a prosecutor for almost 20 years and I was studying body language constantly. And, you know, it's funny because everyone looks to me now and they're like, oh my God, I don't even know if I can tell the truth or not to you because you're going to pick me apart. But I, I literally don't do that to my friends. But the bottom line is, yeah, gain the skills, right? Articulate and also listen. So those were the things that I learned for that time period. Yeah, and um, also throughout that period of life, though, you, you built a very, very close relationship, uh, not just with your family, but with your mother in particular. And, yeah. um, and, and you know, the story with your mother is, is part of the, the root of who you've become today. Who you've become today. And I just, you know, it, what, was, what was it like? Tell us about your relationship with her in, in those times, and what was it that, that, that she taught you that got you to continually look to find happiness? Oh my God. Let me tell you, you know, growing up, obviously I, I was not obviously, but I was a middle child. So I was a rebel without a cause literally. And then people were like, you know, always wanting to do my own thing, but you know, my parents were trying to, you know, gauge us in a right direction and, and keep line, keep eye on the track. And I was always like very creative and I wanted to go like, you know, play with butterflies and circle around in the world. And my, you know, parents were like, no, you have to make sure that you are a part of the world and service to the world, bringing something of substance to the world. And so basically we fought like cats and dogs for the entire beginning of my life. We we constantly were fighting, constantly arguing. But you know, when I went to college for the first time, and I think this happens to a lot of kids, they really 
understand how wonderful their parents are when they have that time away and they're on their own. And that's how what happened to me. I really gained an appreciation for the woman that my mother was and we started having a relationship. I always said it's always it was always so much better when we picked up the telephone because when we got into a fight we could hang up the telephone. It wasn't like face to face, you know, combat. But over those years I became super close to my mother. She shared a lot about her life with me as far as her, you know, vision of her life, her world, what she um, saw what she experienced. My mother was a very educated woman too. She had two masters. One was in history. One was in spirituality, religious education. So you know, she brought her you know her whole you know wealth of wisdom and knowledge to me, and it was just became a really amazing conversation. So ultimately, you know, for all those years subsequent to that. I really relied on her. She was one of my, I would say, I would see her as one of my best friends, a champion, a mentor, a guide. And when she passed away, it was as if I lost everything that I ever thought I needed in this world. And, you know, it's interesting. Nobody wants to do more than they have to in life. And when you have what you love, you might just stay with that. But when she died, you have to expand outside of yourself and the circle because you need to be in this world and of this world and for me it was really kind of figuring out what that was after she passed away so where were when when that happened where were you in your life were you still practicing law so yes i was actually it was interesting because i was about six months pregnant with my daughter when we found out that she had breast cancer um i was almost 11 years practicing with the Department of Homeland Security. This was back in 2011. I graduated from law school in 1997. So it was, you know, I, my life was going forward. I was happy. I had, you know, I had one son already. I had a daughter on the way. She was the first female grandchild. You know, it was very exciting. And it was never in a million years that I would ever think I would hear the, you know, the C word, right? The C word, that horrible word that just like drops you to your, to your knees because nobody really knows what that looks like, that journey until you actually walk through it yourself. Yeah, I can, I can attest to that. It's, 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 it's tough. It's tough on everybody. Um, and so, you know, here you were, you, you were practicing law, you, you, you lost your mother um, and you found yourself in some pretty deep grief. Yeah. It was, it was something I never could have actually imagined. I think that, you know, I, well, for me, I never contemplated she was going to die. I didn't have that, you know, as far as this whole mind, body, spirit mentality where I was holding on to, okay, you are going to get better. We're going to find like my whole, this is not just me, all of us, my whole family rallied, my, her brothers and sisters and everyone rallied for my mom. Um, And we were like, okay. And she was a very prayer filled woman. She was very, you know, spiritual. And we were, we were certain that she was going to get better. And when it was looking like she wasn't going to get better i still didn't give up hope so at the until the very end i was hoping for our miracle and when she didn't you know survive it it was shocking it was quite shocking it was as if you were a child and they told you that santa claus doesn't exist anymore it was like that it was like blowing like a hole in your world except more expansive because you know the reality of what just happened and uh, you know of of how you're processing it i I didn't i didn't match so i just basically numbed out i numbed out i didn't want to experience feelings anymore because they were so overwhelming i couldn't even handle it um, which, you know, unfortunately, 
for a lot of people when they go through the grieving process life doesn't stop to allow them to to recuperate and and get the attention that they need that didn't happen for me i had to go right back to work again and that was litigating in front of court cases and hearing these stories that you know you had to determine whether they were credible or not and their life altering stories people telling about their asylum cases back in their home countries and if they're true devastating stories and if they're not true then that's another thing it pulls a lot out of you so i was trying to navigate all of that while i was going through this grieving process and i i just didn't do it well i didn't i i guess i guess i was comparing myself to others and i and and i was not experiencing the same grieving process as others so i didn't know what was wrong with me and ultimately it did it left me in a deep hole of depression which you know is no fun for sure and i had to figure out a way to pull myself out which started with the writing process i started writing i started one of my very good friends took the time out she's a therapist she said you need to understand that because someone's not physically here doesn't mean that they are not here spiritually and you have to find a way to connect to that so that at least you can figure out a way to move forward and that's what i did i would sit in silence i would you know take whatever tome or inspirational book and then I would read it and then I would ask my mother, what do I need to understand from this? And, and it was a channeling of the wisdom that she would have shared with me, which ended up to be my magical guide of bliss. I wrote my, I wrote a guide based on the wisdom she would have given me. Yeah. And then, so, so the magical guide to bliss was, was the first book you published and it's, it's a lot of the things that she taught you throughout life. Right, exactly. And also the authors, like I would read so many amazing authors. And it was so funny because when you are looking for answers, you're seeking, it's a different experience when you read the words of others and you your perspective may change because you're looking for, uh, I would imagine, wisdom, signs, something. And then, then what would, oh my God, yeah, we would have this kind of conversation where, you know, okay, perspective is really everything. You know, they say, you know, you know, try or don't try you know it's it's up to it's really up to you you get to choose whether you wake up in the morning and and get to live life rather than have to live life and it and it really turns you know the it turns something on the coin because basically at the other side you you know all of what you're going through can be used for your highest good if you change your perspective even though it really does stink i would use a stronger word you know i'd rather have her here but um ultimately it was a wake-up call for me to start to realize you know what she said before she died stress is going to kill you and you have no regrets when you get to my so what does that look like for you and i was like well you know i was like well i don't think i want to be where i am right now working what i do right now i didn't think i wanted to do that anymore i wanted to have a, a a bigger classroom and when i say that I was the um, the intern coordinator for Department of Homeland Security for close to 17 years, where I hired over 300 interns and taught them, you know, how to be professionally an attorney and also a, and, and bring their personal lives to a place where they can be proud and not be bifurcated. You have to show up as one person. You can't be dualistic. You have to, yeah. you know, you can't be authentically yourself. So when I say I wanted a bigger classroom, I wanted to move out. Yeah, no, I, boy, I, I really, I really get that. And it's, it's, it's great that you were able to recognize that because it's amazing how many people will stay with their jobs in, in even a state of maybe, 
I don't know if I'd call unhappiness, but they're not in a state of happiness and they're just getting through their day. You know, those people that are waiting for that moment of retirement or something else. To me, that's the saddest thing. And, and I think finding that point of transformation is so incredibly important. I myself went through it 20 years ago. It was just, yeah. it was life changing for me. And, um, and so we're going to take a little bit of a break, but when we come back, I want to talk about that transformation for you. So stay tuned, everyone. We're going to continue our conversation in just a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of the Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Mexicute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit nexecutegroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. We're back with Meg Nasiro. So we were talking over the break. So we're, we're, we're having a little bit of a laugh over the break about, about going through transitions ourselves and everything. And, and I, I know we just came off a very you know, heartwarming and, and really difficult story about losing your mom. But, but you, you just made a comment about why you were keeping your job at the end. And, and, and it, I think it's just hits so many people the same way. Would you just share that again? Yeah, I was, I was thinking, you know, I had great benefits and great health insurance at Department of Homeland Security. And I was like, if I don't leave this job, I'm going to need all of the health insurance because I'm going to shrivel up and die and just like turn into something I never even imagined for myself. And I told you my vanity couldn't handle it. So I like, I think the ego, the ego pushed me out. Literally, I was just like, wait a second, doors are closing all around. I am not happy. I, I do believe, you know, like the witch and the midnight shrivel up, <laughs> they turn into like nothing. And I was like, Oh no, I can't have that. I, I can't have that. I wear tiaras. <laughs> I can't have that. that. That That's really great. So, okay. So, but, but let's, let's, let's kind of dive back in though, because you, you did hit that point where, um, you recognize that law, at least at that point in your life, was not your passion. You, you said, as you said, it, you needed a bigger, a bigger classroom, but, but to what end? I mean, you know, so this path that took you to, to now, now coaching people to, to some of the public speaking, to writing the books that you, you wrote, um, the, the, this path was, was really driven by a passion, a, a desire. And, and yes, it was, it was therapeutic, but, but there was something more to it. Um, you yeah. know, pl- please share your path through that. 
Well, I, I just, I definitely want to tell you that, you know, for me and my family, public service was the ultimate, right? My grandfather was a congressman in New York back in the 60s when a handshake was, you know, uh, was honored back then, right? So it was really inbred in me that, you know, public service was the highest echelon of service to give it back to the country, you know, coming from an immigrant family too. Italians were immigrants back in the day, you know, that was pride. And I went into, you know, working for the federal government with that notion that I'm going to give back to my country, but it realizing at the same time, you know, everybody has a vision and a passion or, or a purpose in your life. And it wasn't matching up anymore. I wasn't giving that opportunity, the space to, to develop myself. So basically what happened was, you know, I decided because the doors were really closing in my face. And like I said, you know, sometimes the ego does help you push things open. If I stayed there, there's no way I was going to thrive. So I felt, okay, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to bet on my own dreams and I'm going to step out. And the reality is when you want to speak your truth and you're in a place where you just can't because you might have serious implications where you might, you know, I, I imagine myself, oh God, you know, I'm, I'm a middle child for sure. And literally when the box or the, 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 cage or whatever you want to look at it was closing up around me. I was like, I got to get out of here because I'm going to say something I'm going to regret. And after 20 years of actually having a decent reputation with every in the court professionally and every otherwise, I was like, oh yeah, I don't want to ruin it here. I need to step out. So when I did decide to jump into the coaching world as I, I, I you know, because I'm a you know, education addict, I would say, you know, I got certified with a, certifi- a certification program. And the, the bottom line was I was exposed to other people who had similar desires of being in the world, helping others become the best they can be. So that was wonderful for me. I was in a group of people with creative minds who were trying to do it a different way. So my world opened up. So did you, I mean, had you already been exposed to the coaching world? So one of the things, you know, for the audience, um, I, yeah. I noticed that you have the ACC accreditation, which is an international right. coaching federation accreditation for accredited, accredited certified coach. Um, I looked at the, I looked at the ICF and I was a member for a while. I've kind of been in and out, but I, I'm not really on that kind of coaching path. So I never really performed the accreditation, but, but were you already aware of them when you left or did you just take a flyer and then figure it out? So, so how much, how much of this did you have planned and, and, and where, where were you at in your, your, your journey? So, you know, I'm married and my husband said, you better have a plan if you're going to jump out. And I, my plan did not look like the traditional strategic business plan that he might have liked to see, but at least for me, I was setting out a path that I could follow. I had end goals. I'm a very goal oriented person. So if I were, and and I find that I give my trust and credibility and people who show up and do the work beforehand. So when they show up to coach me that, you know, I know that they have certain skills that'll help me guide myself to where I want to go. So back to what you were saying, I applied for this program before I resigned from the Department of Homeland Security. And so, and also I had been dabbling before that in like time management programs, Covey, all of that fun stuff as well. So I'm kind of curious. So which program did you choose? There were a lot of, so many good ones. 
Right. So, you know, I went, a, a good friend of mine, I went through the IPEC program okay. and it, it about it's uh, the energy coaching, which yeah. really resonated with me. Like I'm talking about the ethereal resonating with the, you know, the energy and how people show up and how you, you receive them or you perceive them. And, and because I had gone through such a difficult time with the grieving process, you know, I was exposed to a lot of positive psychology, which for me was a game changer as far as my own path is concerned, because, you know, I didn't ruminate over and over about the things that were wrong with me constantly. I started looking at the things that were right with me, my strengths, things I could bring to the table. And this particular program really spoke to those energy levels. And it really did speak to me. And I went through it and met a really, you know, it's like where you show up is where you meet the people that are going to be walking with you further, you know, and that's where I found a lot of amazing, really givers as well as, you know, great coaches. So that was a great program. Was that something that you had to pro you had progressed in as well, or was a different program that you went through. Well, it's it's an interesting story because because when I when I left the corporate world, um, a lot of the aspects of the ICF were, were very fresh, and I went out mm-hmm. and I sought out, and I'm one of those I'm one of those people. I always try to seek out people at the top, and I, I met a guy back then um, by the name of Thomas Leonard, who was one of the founders of ICF, and and actually started you know doing a little wow. bit of work with him, you know, getting some coaching, and he was going down the business path um, a lot, and. Um, I even, he even created kind of what he called his research and development team. And and I joined in on that and just stayed connected with some people. And so I didn't go through a formal program, but back then there were only, there were really only a couple formal programs per se. There were a handful of them and, um, good programs. I mean, all of them good, but, but where I kind of learned was, was really from some really, really good coaches who were at the founding level of the whole thing when things oh, were, wow. be- when things were becoming kind of official. So it was kind of, it, yeah. it was, it was fun. Um, but then, you know, over time, there was a lot of psychology that was coming into play and I was going down the business path and, um, and the work that we were doing, I, I don't know that I, I can, I do some coaching, right. But I don't know that I call it coaching. Um, I don't okay. know that it would meet the the standards per se that, that the ICF adheres to today. They, they certainly would have met Thomas's standards, but, but, um, but, you know, we do some advising, we do some other things. So, um, you know, whereas I still have the ICF is very near and dear to my heart. There's a lot of great people and, and the people who are credited. Um, and I keep thinking about, you know, maybe, maybe repursuing something at some point when I have some time, but my path just took me a little bit different, but the discovery of it and the work and the work with some of those people very early on was, was really, um, very, very interesting. Um, as a matter of fact, I, actually the way I found Thomas Leonard and the ICF was through a local coach, you know, a guy named Barry Demp, who was a a mentor and a very, very good guy. He's a, you know, PCC in in ICF terms that that's in the Detroit area. And Barry's a great guy. Um, And so, so he actually, he was probably the one that I first accredit to going down that path because I didn't even know what coaching was at that point in my life. So, so unlike you, when I left the corporate world, it was a good transition point and the company was sold and I, I just wanted to do something different. It was just, it was a natural transition. I didn't know what I was going to do afterwards. I had, I had some figuring out to do. And that's when I hired my first coach. But, but I wonder, you know, listening to your story, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, a a friend who was a psychologist, you mentioned some other coaching and, and, and people don't typically just discover themselves, discover this stuff just out of the blue. You know, when, when people are in a deep grieving 
situation. I mean, some people will fall into depression. I know too many people that have not sought any kind of help, and they just almost live in this grief, this denial, these anger stages, and they never seem to really break out, and, and at least until they, they give in and somebody helps. Did you seek out help early? What kind of help did you receive? And, and, and was there, you know, you mentioned the one, the one um, therapist who put you kind of on the path and, and asked some positive questions, but what do you think really turned turned it for you to, to, to start looking forward as opposed to dwelling backward? You know, I'm very blessed that I have a lot of um, inquisitive friends and one of my very dearest friends, um, Teta Malero, she what, and I, before my mother even got even sick, she and I started a group called Soul Sisters. It was a soul talk group where we would get together every week to come up with different topics to, you know, talk about and and to share about. And in this essence, it really was the beginnings of coaching because we, you know, and not that one-on-one professional kind of like structured kind of experience that ICF does um, lean its hands to. However, the, having the conversations, you know, certainly was something that helped me step out of myself to ask for help when I needed it the most. So I, one of the friends that was a part of this, she was actually getting her coaching um, certification while my mother, after my mother passed away and she was doing some pro bono credits she needed and she offered to take me through. So I did take a leave of absence from my job because I couldn't handle the grief. I was just falling apart. And she walks me through that six week process to at least get me on a solid foundation where I could see further, like I like see some light. And you know, when you're in that situation where you're experiencing a lot of darkness, it really feels dark. Like mm-hmm. you don't see any hope. And especially if you're depressed, it says, you know, sadness without hope. And I think that when people are in that place, they think all is lost, hopelessness. And that is like the death knell for anyone. So if anyone can show up and say, but there is light and I'm going to show you, I'm going to be that spark that perhaps you can see a little bit more clearer as to what is still there for you. Then it shifts the person. And I think that's what coaching does the best is in increments and in small increments, you shift someone yeah. from a point of stuck to a point of possibility. So the transformation can actually start, right. You know, so you're not, you know, going down, you know, going upstream with the water pushing you back down again, you're actually saying, Oh, but maybe if I go this direction, it'll be a little bit more effortless and easy so that I can get my strength back up again and follow through. And, and that's ultimately what I love most about coaching is that we don't show you what to do. It's that we help you come up with a plan to help guide yourself to figure out what that is and what that looks like, what you want in your life. It's not my life because I'm not living your life. It's how you want to see your life unfold. Yeah. You know, that's, it's such an important point you just made because, um, People, you know, some, especially people in the business world, but, but the association, the word coach still has like the athletics and all this stuff. And, and, it's it, sometimes people think that hiring a coach is about getting advice, right? Being told what to do. And, and, and it isn't, um, right. find a mentor. That's what a mentor does, right? A mentor, yeah. somebody who's walked the path before you, but, right. but coaching is such a powerful process. And, and, and I think today though, though I think most everybody knows the term and there are a lot of people that call themselves coaches that I'm not sure if they really are based on what, how I see them work with people. But, but yeah. if we think about what pure coaching is, and that's what you're describing, it is honestly probably the, the, the best path to growth that you can have, period. 
um, right. because it is about you and yours and, and, and the, the structures and frameworks that are given by a quality and qualified coach um, are very, very powerful. I myself have experienced it multiple times in my life. I haven't yeah. just been through coaching just, you know, a couple of times in the beginning. I mean, I've, I've employed coaches on, a, on a, and off at different times for different things that I need. And I even just had one recently that was helping me out with some stuff. And it, it really does help you get over the finish line. Right. No, I absolutely agree. I, I, I had a business coach who was so, so pivotal for me, especially during COVID. It was so important to keep my eyes on the prize. And that was mine, my, my prize, my vision, my, and, but you know, what? I have to say something, you know, you can ask permission to share your own experience and your own wisdom. You can offer that space if that's what, if they're willing to accept sure. it. It's not, not like you keep your store. Like, it's not like, I'm not going to tell you anything I know. And you're just going to have to fumble around and just deal with everything that falls into your lap the way you're going to deal with it because I'm not, you know, here. I will offer insights where I find they're they're willing and receptive to hearing them, but I don't want anyone to live my life. I want them to live their life. And that is ultimately in any respect, like business in, you know, everything that you're dealing with life and, you know, even the grieving process It's to own your whole process and trust that if you start to be you, right, you be you, then uh, then the world will unfold or open up to you the way you want to see it. Well, and I think that, that being able to do that can create a bridge between you and the person you're coaching. I mean, you know, successful, successful coaching relationships require some level of connection. Right. And I use a word that business doesn't like always, but, but some level of empathy, right? You know, you know, oh. you know, is there that empathetic connection that can occur so that you feel yeah. like you're talking with somebody who actually gets you and understands you? And that, that is important. That's where those stories are. And, and by the way, that's not always the case between two people. So not every right. coach is the right coach for every person, right? I mean, it's, I, it, there is, you really have to, if you're looking for a coach, you really have to find somebody who is a good match for you and you, you should be a good match for them. And if that connection is there, then the relationship, the growth, everything that, that, that the person experiences is, is exponential. Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with you. I think, you know, it's kind of like your books, right? Yeah. I'm, my story is not for everyone, but when they align to it, if someone does align to it, then it'll speak volumes, but don't stop there. It's not like one and done. You, there's a whole vast world out there of so many different people that you can align to. So Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. Not every coach is for everyone. You have to ask those questions to find out. Well, okay. So, um, and, and you, you mentioned the books not being for everybody, but the books are, are, are interesting. And um, I, I want to circle back to those in a few minutes. So we're going to take another little break. Um, time flies, right? We're already to the end of our second segment. So we've got one more coming up with, with Meg. We're going to take a little bit of a break. And uh, when we come back, Meg, I, I'd love to actually dive into some of the books and some of the learnings and um and see you know how we can also help our audience even a little bit more so everybody stay tuned we'll be back in just a couple of minutes follow us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. 
At Mexicute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit nexecutegroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of the Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back one last time with Meg Nacero. Meg, um, okay, so just before the break, we alluded to the books. And, um, you know, we've already touched kind of on on one of them, um, which was the Magical Guide to Bliss, which is just, it's a lot of, you know, life's lessons through your mom, through your experiences, et cetera, and and things that people can kind of take away. Um, We've got two other books, but before we go to them, just, um, I'd love it if you'd share maybe, do you have any favorites out of the book, one or two or three that that you would highlight for somebody who who maybe has never read it, but but would say, oh, that sounds good. Maybe I should, maybe I should read some more. So this is really great because it's about transformation today. We're talking about that. And I opened up to the insight for today. And the title is now to get your groove back, which is amazing because when you're transforming in life, you're like, you kind of feel like you're broken down to the very bottom and then you want to be building yourself back up. So the quote that I looked at was acknowledging the good that you already have in your life is the foundation for all abundance. So instead of looking at what, how you failed, looking at what you've done really great, and that's Eckhart Tolle. And the, the insight is if you feel like you're in a rut, let's spice things up a bit. With your eyes closed, think about what you want to see and experience in your life today. Perhaps you would like to expand your horizons with a new professional opportunity. Perhaps you would like to connect with a person who can positively impact your your world like we are right now. Perhaps you want to experience laughter and fun. And it goes down to say, when you acknowledge the solid foundation that already exists, you will climb to greater heights as you build on the circumstances of the present moment. With hope, you can build from a place of what has gone right by focusing your attention on the direction of abundance with effortless flow will return, rut be gone. So remember, energy flows where your attention goes. And with that, today, go ahead and close your eyes and see, open them, and just be. So that's one of the insights I'll share with you for today. I love that. Uh, you know, it makes me think of something a friend of mine, a good friend Dan Sullivan, who's also a coach and was a coach of mine for a long time, and and it's got a great program um, based up in Toronto. And one of the things he talks about is living a life of of, of abundance versus living a life of scarcity. And I, I certainly mm-hmm. can't do it justice the way you know, obviously, if it's if he's talking about. But so many people live in scarcity. It's all about what I don't have, and don't take the time to to, to live in abundance and talk about what I what I do have. And if you live in abundance and you leverage it, you find that you get more and you get what you need and you can be much, much happier. But it's a very depressing place to continually think about what you don't have. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and you know, I know we find ourselves in different kinds of circles a lot of times where some people seem to be getting a lot more than we are that getting. So 
for me, I like turn from that point of abundance, like we're talking about right now. I'll say, oh my God, if it's that close to me in my circle, someone getting that abundance of life, that celebration, then I'd make it my own because it's so close to me, it becomes my own. So I celebrate with them. And that's where the shift happens. You become celebratory of other people's wins. And ultimately the energy will start to come back to you. I believe that with everything I I, I even know. That, that is definitely a good truth of mine. And that is a shift from scarcity to abundance for sure. Excellent. Excellent. So, um, you know, now what I want to do is your second book. Um, so, so, so that was the first, but the second book, um, sparkle and shine, um, you know, it builds on it. Right. Um, but, but what, what would, what's the key message in sparkle and shine? So I'm a true believer in, especially when you're dealing with a lot of pathways in your brain, those habitual pathways that tell you you're not enough, that you're a failure, all of the things that we have, the, the, you know, the, the sabotage brain, the nastiness of our own souls, right, that speak to us. I think that you have to build it up like a muscle, the whole I am, I am this, I am amazing, I am, I think, you know, you don't go around, I mean, you can go around and tell the whole world that you're number one and you're amazing, that's fine. But I don't know how well received it would be because not everyone believes in the celebration of you. And yeah. also, you know, I'll, you can tell me all you want because I will think that if you're telling me I'm going to be sharing in your joy. However, what I do believe is how we speak to ourselves. That self-talk is so important. So affirmation tools go a long way, especially if like you are in the corporate world and you're standing in front of an audience and like, you know, wanting to speak and you're freaking out. Like, you know, we were speaking about before but the beautiful thing is when you tell yourself like my favorite one is something wonderful is always about to happen so even before we get on this conversation have this conversation today chris i'm thinking something wonderful is going to happen i'm going to learn about you i'm going to take away some insights and i got one can i share what you said to me because it's a wonderful quote Okay, so this wonderful man tells me this morning, don't sweat the audience, you be you. And for me, that's huge because the, you know, that shell or that, you know, you know, that who we think we should be falls away and we can just show up authentically ourselves. So thank you, Chris, for that. That's my something wonderful today. And that's what the affirmations tools give me on a constant. Excellent. Excellent. And so, you know, again, two great books. um, And I did want to spend some time on the book that just came out. Um, Butterfly Awakens, because this is this is a chronicle, this is a tale, and and I, and there is a, a pretty incredible story about a lighthouse. I don't want to give away any more, but <laughs> but it, this is this is this was a, a big telling of your journey. Um, you know, can can you share with our audience um, the the story of Butterfly Awakens? So I will tell you this: when I was going through the darkest parts of my grieving process, I promised myself that. When I figure out how to bring hope back into my world, instead of it staying with me, I'm going to help someone who's going through the same situation. So by telling my story, I'm hoping that I can bring light to someone else's darkness that they're walking through right now. That being said, I'm incredibly vulnerable in this book. I tell it like it is. It's my story. It's my truth. But the reality is it's terrifying to put it out there. But once again, you know, I'm going to be myself and I have to own it. And this is what I walk through. And ultimately, I did it my way. I'm totally Frank Sinatra. And that's the Italian in me bringing that through. But the bottom line is, you know, I can look back and say no regrets because I did do it my way. And, you know, even though, I, you know, it was a leap of faith, if I had stayed in fear, 
I would never be able to say that I can experience life in a different way. And that's what this whole tale is about transformation through grief, because the grief was the wake up call. Certainly when I lost my mother, it was not the wake up call that I wanted, but I cherish the people who are in my life today, like nobody's business as if, you know, especially after this last 18 months with COVID, like as if this experience with you, I'm here with you. I am like, in your presence, I completely am going to take in everything that you are. And there's a reason for our crossing. That's a whole Carl Jung synchronicity. So mm-hmm. I like to see the world as if nothing is a coincidence. All things are synchronistic for your highest good, like I said before. And this journey that we're walking ultimately took me on El Camino in Spain And if you guys knew who I really am, you would never imagine me walking on El Camino in Spain. And literally, I told this someone the other day, I woke up with makeup on every day because I had to be able to look at myself to feel better about myself because I did not know why I was doing it at the time, but I knew I had to do it. So I'm not going to spoil the ending for everyone, but I will tell you this. One of the truths that I I have embodied now is that I'm stronger than I could ever have imagined because I never thought I would ever be this strong in my life. You know, certainly not without my mother by my side. And the other is if you never give up, there's always that lighthouse at the end you get to strive for. And it becomes a daily experience of blissful moments, right? This highest state of happiness where you get to engage with other people. You know, so so you you've mentioned bliss, um, you mentioned happiness, um, certainly the, the the journey. In 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 your comment just a minute ago about you know you never imagined you could be this strong. You know, if if you if you were able to to put yourself um, back, um, I don't know, twenty years, did you feel strong back then? Did you did you notice anything was missing, or did it really take the grief to trigger this? And and then how would you how would you recommend somebody who may not be feeling grief but might not know might not know what's holding them back, right? Might not just, they just may not be happy or as happy as they want to be. So I think it goes back to the fact that I'm always, or I was more so than always looking for external approval for my value, my worth. And I think that in, in that respect, strength, you know, would only come if I got a nod or, a, uh, you know, a, at a girl from somebody else. It came externally. And I think what really came to light with this whole process that I've been through is that it's got to come from within you, right? It has, you have to look within and get your your satisfaction from sometimes just waking up in the morning and just taking on the day if that's where you are, right? That add a girl, that golden star, that whatever it is that looks like for you. And that's what really switched with this whole experience that I'm less likely looking for my, you know, my golden star from others. And I'm going within and realizing that, you know, everyone's on this once around, right? This is my once around. And to be self-full, I need to come to the story that I'm telling now, that narrative, right? We all have our own narratives saying that I'm going to really love this one because at the end of my day, it's going to be really the who I am. And I had to figure out my why. And that is really kind of the beauty of life, right? We always get to figure out every day it builds on that foundation that we set and with the education, with everything, you know, you're always building on your why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I guess I'm thinking if, if I'm one of the listeners right now and, and, you know, some people are very happy where they are and, and great blessing for it. Um, others are just kind of questioning what's, what's the first step. So, so I, I think about an interview I did, um, when I say an interview, I'm not talking about, um, a radio show interview now, I'm just somebody who wanted to, who was thinking about joining, joining the company. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, one, one of the things is, is that, that, you know, with us, we're, we're all 
pretty independent. You don't you don't just kind of come in and all of a sudden you've got you know you've got a full salary work. You've got to be able to do this. And the, the gentleman just said, you know, I just I don't feel confident enough to leave my safety net. And that was that was the answer. And it was you know it was perfect, fine. But there are people out there that um, that look at where they are today. They're not happy. They're they're maybe maybe they don't think of themselves as sad or or upset or whatever. But they're just not as happy as they and they're just working to get to retirement. And there's, there is kind of this desire to do something different, but they don't know how. What's the first step? How does somebody start the path without, let's yeah. say, taking that flyer that we talked about a little while ago? Well, I think you start asking yourself those questions, right? And instead of like, okay, something's off here. What is that? What is it like? And I'm a huge supporter of awareness and being conscious to your life. And one of my favorite quotes is Mary Oliver's pay attention, be astonished and tell all about it. And I think you can do that as an author. You can do that as a corporate boss. You could do that as anything, paying attention to what's going on in your world internally and externally. I think that's the first step becoming intentional. And the second step is, you know, being astonished and figuring out like going out into the world and seeing, Oh my God, look what's coming. Like it's like Shakespeare says, right? All the world's a stage in my Ted talk. I spoke to that. I was like, all the world's a stage. Everyone, an actor why do you like going to the movies right sometimes the movies take us outside ourselves but this is your movie this is your life so you might as well enjoy that so figure out how to write the best script you could even imagine but do it on like starting out in the small you know moments in time maybe journal maybe you know get you know meditative perhaps or or start to get you know excited about the things that interest you you don't have to jump from your job. You don't have to leave where you are. There's no, no one's telling you that you don't have, you, you have five minutes and you have to make another choice, but do it in your own time. You know, start having the conversation with yourself and, and getting curious. I love that. Curiosity is one of the best things a human being can actually engage in the process because then you start to wonder, you know, what the world has in store rather than the have tos, right? You get to. That is such good advice because, you know, our, it's almost like our, our world has worked against curiosity in, in many, many ways, right? I mean, think about it. Curiosity killed the cat, which says, don't yeah. be curious. And then as kids, you know, kids were born curious, you know, how many questions do children ask? And at what point do we keep telling them, no, oh, stop asking questions, right? I mean, you yeah. know, it, 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 it we, 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 it's almost like sometimes we move away from this, this piece of curiosity and being curious and especially being curious about yourself and, and, and what drives you is the best. You know, there, there's nothing, there's nothing like finding yourself in a place where you look back and you say, boy, I wish I had made time to do this, or I wish I'd made time to do that. And I'm not talking just the regret thing. I'm just saying in general, you know, too many people just, just kind of drive through life and they don't take that time to follow some passions to do what they love. Um, again, I look at my transition from the corporate world and I love what yeah. I do now. I don't think of it as work. Yeah, it pays the bills. Um, it doesn't mean every day is not a, not every day is a great day. You, you know, I mean, it can't be. Um, how do you have good days if you don't have bad? Right. right. I mean, you know, you gotta, gotta right. have that. But, um, but there is this, there is this, this energy that comes when you really follow something that you're passionate. I was actually speaking with another friend the other night and, you know, his wife recently um, started going down a path where she's 
she's really passionate and having a great time. And, and I think he's starting to, to, to question it for himself. And it'll be the greatest thing in the world when he, find, when he finally finds that moment and move. Because life is short. You know, mm-hmm. life is short. We have to live it. You know, I, I love that you said that. And I think that, you know, what inspires me doesn't inspire someone else. But what inspires me really gives me that energetic jolt to just like, oh, this is the greatest ever. You know, that whole like when I leave a movie and I'm like, you know, on the edge of my seat because I get so inspired and I'm just like tears and whatever emotions come to feelings, you know, I'm alive. I'm alive. It's just that feeling and instead of being just so like catatonic, I'm actually experiencing all the all the feels. Right. One of the things I have to tell you for me, Broadway, and I'm so excited that Broadway is coming back because that is a place where, you know, they take these great stories and the music and the whole, it's like a production, but sometimes I even think my life, you know, I'm going out to the, you know, for a walk and I'm playing this soundtrack in the back of my head. Actually, when I was walking the Camino, it was a soundtrack. I was like, I had to have the music on or I would never have gotten through to the end. But the bottom line is that all these things that are, all these creative things that are our disposal. And right now with like, technology being what it was, how, you know, well, we can get us whatever we want out in the world. And why not take advantage of that to figure out what inspires us? And inspires basically bring life, breathe life into yourself. I want more people to be alive in this world. I want people to, you know, woo, this is a great, like, I want that because not that I'm annoying. Maybe perhaps some people like are not wanting to hear this and, you know, you know, like, Oh, what does she know? Like, I, I do know. I know what it feels like to be kept. <laughs> I know what it feels like to feel dead inside. So I know the contrast, like you're speaking to feel alive and the get to is just, wow. And I have to tell you this, it's people like you, Chris, and others who've come into my life that, you know, start to shine that spotlight on the possibility of you and the conversations that you have that, you know, people start to wake up and say, okay, maybe there's something for me in this world too. And I think when you have that big light bulb on or those ahas and whatever you want to speak to that, how satisfying is that to be a part of that? Right. Well, I appreciate that, Meg. And um, unfortunately we we've reached the end of our time. I, I, you know, this is, this is always the time my fans have heard this many times. I wish we could go longer. And um, again, hopefully we can have you back to, to, to talk about some more, you know, the, the world would be a better place if more people found their bliss. It just, it, yes. it would just happen, you know, and a lot of the things that bring us down might go away. And, and yet um, we have to be proactive in it. It's not going to just happen for us. You have to choose it. You have to make it happen. And I think that's a lot of the message today. Meg has written um, three great books, probably more to come, I'm sure. Um, uh, just to make sure I've got this right. So if you're looking for books on um, on Amazon, last name is spelled N-O-C-E-R-O. So it's Meg, M-E-G, N-O-C-E-R-O. And your website is, please spell it. Yes, it is www.megnocero.com, C-O-M. So, so it's your name.com. And um, I, I think you'll find a lot of great resources. I couldn't even touch on some of them I was curious about. So um, I, I highly recommend if you're curious at all, if, if, if you yourself want to find some more happiness, maybe you want to track Meg down. Um, as always, you're always welcome to reach out to us too. We can always make the connection for you. So until our next show, um, I hope everybody has a great week and um, we will see you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining Chris Elias for this week's edition of Transformative Experts. We hope you'll tune in again next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a good week.